Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today, we have with us our regular guest, Craig Payne. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Fergal. Good to hear that. Good to hear that. So I thought today we'd talk about one of your favorite subjects, understanding self, and how an understanding of self aids one in one's uh, recovery journey. So what, what are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, one of the things you hear a lot is, you know, uh, I don't know myself anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. Um, and so to start to uncover that, we're going to start to, you're going to start to understand yourself. You've got to start right. to understand what's brought, brought you to this point. So I've, I've heard you say to people that unless you have an understanding of your own self, you get trapped in denial. And being trapped in denial, we've already discussed in previous episodes how that actually uh, impedes recovery. So how does a lack of understanding of self trap one in denial? Talk, talk me through that. <sighs> Well, I think if you, um, I, I think it's a, there's also this thing about um, you've got to challenge the belief that you've got of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so by just believing that you know yourself and you know what works and you know what you need to do, yeah, that's what's keeping you in denial. You know, you just keep in trying the same thing all the time yeah. and yeah, and it's not, it's not working. Yeah. And I, this idea of self, of, of one's attitude about oneself, I see this a lot in my practice where I, I, I say to patients, you know, oh, you need to increase your socialization. You know, recovery is not a solitary activity. There are no lone rangers in recovery. And I say that to people to challenge them because they, they, a lot of my patients come to me and say, oh, look, you know, I want your help, doc. I'm seeing a psychologist but I don't want AOD counseling because I've got a psychologist and I certainly don't want to go to a peer support group. For me, those people don't understand. I, another way of thinking about it for me, I, I, they don't understand that they've lost all their roots. A tree, mm-hmm. a healthy tree has lots and lots of roots all over the place. And the, 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 the kind of area of terrain, the area of earth for the root it's like twice as high or twice as long as a tree is high. And that to me is a very good uh, allegory for social connectedness and how the need for social connectedness uh, determines our health. And a lack of social connectedness, a solitary thinking, this idea that you can do it on your own, contributes to denial and contributes to the failure in recovery. So I suppose what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that a patient's failure to understand themselves, a failure to understand that human beings are inherently social creatures, and a failure to appreciate the fact that their solitary uh, concepts of recovery are going to cause them ultimately to fail recovery. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's where what will keep a lot of people away from um, from recovery groups and peer groups yeah, yeah. Uh, and these other things. And it's it's that um, it. <laughs> It's that shared learning yeah. that we benefit, we benefit from so much. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we need to have that story that we've told ourselves challenged. Yes. You know, uh, it's, yes, it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm doing. I, I, I say to people, there are no lone rangers in recovery. So I'm challenging them to understand that 
they've got no roots and they need to start growing roots towards health. And that root network is basically all about their social connectedness and involving peer support groups. And for some patients, it's very difficult for them to understand this, this self. So a lack of self-understanding can be, I think, due to you know, a fear of reaching out, you know, a past trauma, or you know, generally speaking, a kind of a shyness or a reservation around, around sharing them, um, their, their story. So trauma can, I think, uh, impede self-understanding as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and breaking down those beliefs and proving to people mm. that they are capable of so much more, and them actually, well, them actually proving to themselves that they're capable of so much more. You yeah. know, and that's that that value of shared experience again is so many people have had these fears, so many people have walked this path before, yeah, yeah. and they've believed these things about themselves that they can't get up in front of a group and talk. That yeah. um, this is what they're destined to be. That because they've done this, you know, they they deserve this life sort of thing and yeah. Um, yeah you need to have that you need to have that challenged and start to say no hang on uh, I I do deserve better and there is better out there for me yes so i think this alludes to another aspect of understanding of self that esteem understanding mm-hmm. that right now you've got no self esteem but actually self esteem is in uh, is so necessary a part of recovery and that that it's you know it's okay to not have self-esteem at the moment because you're 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 sick you know you you get you and you're going to get help but actually yep. esteem is is part of the is crucial to almost every well to every step in recovery but actually making that first connection i think that's the hardest for patients and if you've got no self-esteem that's even it's it's climbing uphill yeah definitely definitely and yeah and so how do you turn that around yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, I think Oscar touched on it the other week. You know, start to do esteemable things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and it's that thing that you can rebuild, and you're not stuck here forever. Yeah. And you know, and you can st- you can start to move through, and just have it. But having that awareness within yourself to know that it's low self esteem, yeah. and to accept that it's low self esteem. It's one thing to to sort of think these things, are, but once you start to accept it, it, again, you know, you start to move forward with the solution. So understanding, or rather, I would say a lack of understanding of self, mm. traps one in denial, contributes to perpetuating the low self-esteem, which acts as a barrier to accessing treatment. Yeah, I, well, because you're not, you're not going to try new things, are you? Like yeah. if you think, oh, I know what works for me, and oh, that, that's great, that, that works for you, but it's not going to work for me, and yeah. you know, 12-step or smart recovery or all these yeah. peer groups, whatever it is that's for you, yeah, yeah great, that, that works, but that doesn't work for me. Well, hang yeah. on, have you actually really given it a go? And yeah. if you walked in there open-minded enough to, to challenge what you think you know about yourself? Yeah, because there is a fear, isn't there? Um, you know, when, when you're looking at, up at the stars... And you're lying in the gutter and you're looking up at the stars and, and amongst the stars you can see these people who are apparently successfully enjoying a life of recovery and they're the ones that are trying to reach out to you but you're lying in the gutter there's a lot of there's a lot of negative emotion in there isn't there? there's a lot of you know defense well, yeah that's like the fear the envy the jealousy all that sort of stuff yeah, comes up and, yeah, yeah. and that's um that's very much rooted in all the past resentments and all, yeah. well, all the current resentments that you hold yeah. that's based on the past, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So you just got to sort of um, look at that and 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 yeah, and and work through it with other people. And understand. Not trying to do it alone. Don't do it alone, but understand that those negative feelings. The reasons why in you, you have those negative feelings, you need to understand that, appreciate them for what they are. They're just negative feelings. There are barriers to recovery. And then understand that actually you need to have a certain amount of self-knowledge to then be open to the concept of new ideas. Open Mm. to the concept that actually this is possible for you. You can do this. Yes, it's an arduous journey, but it is possible for you. There is hope. So self-understanding for me not only is about challenging um, the belief that, yes, your ideas of who you are need to change, your ideas of what a recovery is needs to change, but self-understanding also is about the ability to open your soul to hope and the possibility Mm. of recovery. And you touched on that word fear before, you know, and face the fear. Mm. And face the fact that this is going to be an uncomfortable process. Yeah, and you know you're going to have to face up to some some of the actions of the past, some of the yeah. some of the traumas of the past, some you know, and and some of the great times as well, yeah. and work out what has worked for you, what hasn't, and and why. Yeah, and that's the key thing. That's the why, isn't it? Mm. And that can yeah, be a very the, the why is always a very painful question to answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I patients don't realize necessarily the link between their current substance misuse and their their past history of trauma or and and, or not necessarily even you know significant sexual or physical abuse but the trauma associated with social isolation and childhood neglect people i think underestimate the impact that that has on developing brains and also the on also the risks for substance misuse and that's got to be recognized and acknowledged yeah, and absolutely, but I, th- yeah, and I think also just the trauma of having gone through addiction in itself. Yes, you know, it yes. it it takes you to places that you never thought you'd go. You end up doing things you never thought you'd do, acting in ways you never thought you'd act, and and that's really um, that's that's what breaks the self esteem. You know, like yeah. that's that can really take a long time to recover from. So the overwhelming guilt, mm, the guilt and the shame. Yes. So, so, so what, yeah. what, what would you say to someone who says, who says, oh, look, I don't need to, I don't need to go to a group. There's no, no group can help me. I've done too much in my life. There's no forgiveness. What would you say? Uh, I, sh- I share my experience of what happened mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and maybe ask them to speak to others who can share their experience of, of what changed for them when they started to go to these groups. And yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the greatest thing we can do because I think uh, and this is what's hard sometimes too is um, we, it's really hard to tell someone what to do, but and yeah. and not many people. Well, it's really to easy it. to tell someone what to do. It's really hard to actually oh. affect change. Well, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's hard to get them to respond to it because yes. so, um, it's no no that doesn't work for me. I know it works for me, but um, yeah, absolutely. So um, so again, you can only just point out. Um, where, where, like, start to understand. Ask them questions about what their real, um, uh, what their real problems with with doing it are. You know, like, or what their real fears around it are, and, and why yeah. they think it won't work for them. And start to understand yeah. those, and then yeah. we can start to 
use other people's shared experience or show them ways where it's helped others. And yeah. maybe it's just planting that seed. And so they yeah. start to look at that and think, oh, well, this person got through, they got through, maybe there's yeah. something to this. And one of the things that I find very useful for me as a, as a clinician is to constantly remind myself, look, it doesn't matter if the patient in front of me is not really you know, taken on board what I'm trying to tell them, or at least I don't feel they're taken mm. on board what I'm trying to tell them. Because they're still in the chair. Yep. They're still engaging with some form of relationship with a therapist. It's better that they're saying, oh, look, recovery is not for me, sat in the chair, than outside engaging in whatever um, substance use they've, they've got without knowing how to access help. The fact that they're actually in the chair talking to me is, 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 it needs to be celebrated. And for me, one of my, I mean, Oscar used the phrase uh, in previous ch chats that we've had, he used the phrase unconditional kindness. And I learned a lot from mm. that, actually. And I've realized the value of giving unconditional kindness e to people who are at the very beginning of their journey, who are in my chair. I say, the, you know, you need to be congratulated because you're actually sat in that chair. And I think that unconditional kindness, plus the examples that you've, you know, of, of other people's stories, can gradually warm up the receptiveness of patients to actually look into themselves and understand what's wrong with them, and then try and consider a change. Yeah, I think the biggest, uh, well, one of the biggest things is um, is due to the individual nature of this of this process. Yeah. Um, for every for every single person that I meet, there's different experiences, but there's a different path out. Like there's a lot of similarities in that path, yeah. but what they have to confront, what they have to go through, what they have to change, is different for every single person that goes in. Mm -hmm. And so I look at this as a, a very a mutual experience, where mm -hmm. as a clinician I'm learning. Yeah, and and they're learning, and we're sort of we're taking this together, and so I'm not telling them what to do. Uh, it's a matter of trying to understand help will help them understand themselves, but also me gaining an understanding of them, and then yeah. together we can work through that and we can work forwards and and find out what path is going to work best for them, and just I think in that too, you've, it's being prepared that there's going to be there's no right or wrong either necessarily. Mm. Um, you know, and there's going to be mistakes made and there's going to be things that, that, that are tried that don't quite work out. Um, and there's going to be others that you, you had no idea would work and you know and so yeah, that ability to sort of learn together and and work through it is really important. And so you're both gaining understanding along the way. Mm. Now, you've just triggered something in me that, uh, again, I'm referring to what Oscar has described as the uniqueness of suffering, because the perception of the uniqueness mm. of suffering has actually, um, or does sometimes, impede access to, to recovery. The idea that because my suffering is so unique, it's never happened to anyone else, there is no redemption for me, there is no hope for me, when actually everyone's suffering is different but there is no such thing as a uniqueness of suffering. What would you, uh, yeah, say, no, what would you say to that? Well, I think that's where the collective, you know, again, that, that shared experience. And um, yeah. yes, everyone's experiences have been different. 
but yeah. people have confronted these very similar demons along the way yeah. and managed yeah. and managed to work through it. Yeah. And I think this is this is something that um, a thought that occurs to me all the time. And I was talking to someone about it yesterday. Is people that go through this process, people that get through to recovery, that that start to start to get some good recovery time up, start to or well, not even good recovery time, but start to get through. The understanding that they have of themselves makes them so much stronger on the other side. And once they actually realize that they can live a life without a substance mm. and what they can get through without needing to fall back on this substance mm. and what they've actually overcome to get to where they are, mm. there's so much positive in that. And, and they're much stronger and resilient people than probably your average Joe in the street, you know? Mm. So you're alluding to the concept that suffering strengthens you. That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so the, the, the understanding of the impediments to recovery and the understanding of oneself as, it, as, as, as you go through recovery is, is a crucial part of that recovery. How does understanding, how does self-awareness self positively impact upon the recovery journey because we're moving from you know oh i can't go into mm. therapy there's no yeah. such thing as, as, a, as the right therapy for me well we've, we've we've kind of dealt with that issue let's not talk about you know the journey towards recovery can you think of a good example of how self-awareness self-understanding helps recovery and then maybe we can talk about how self-awareness or a lack of self-awareness can impede ongoing recovery yeah well i think it's the awareness <laughs> The more you start to understand this about yourself, you, the more you understa understand the danger signs. You understand ah, the triggers. You, yes, under, you understand yes. what you need to steer clear of. Yes. And so, so you start to put things into place yes. before they've happened Yes. rather than waiting for it to happen. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. So, so self-understanding facilitates the first steps to recovery and then allows you to identify the mines, the, the bombs the petards that will undo your undo your, all your good work. Um, yeah. So triggers. So what's a trigger? What's so important about a trigger? What's a trigger? Anything can be a trigger. Um, and a trigger is just something that might might flick off that thought or that emotion that, um, that leads you to want to use again. Yeah. Um, and uh, anything can be a trigger. Um, yeah. An argument, something goes well, the reward system kicks into place, um, you know. And so understanding that um, falling back on the substance isn't going to be of any benefit to you, yeah. understanding that it's going to take you back to where you are. And I think one of the big things is this is what keeps like keeps people stuck in that control, control type thinking, or one day I'll be able to control this. Um, yes. is that lack of understanding that, no, every time you pick up, it leads to the shit. So, and, yep. This, this is a, a really interesting point that I'd like to discuss with you. Some of my patients okay. accuse me of not understanding them when I challenge them that there's no such thing as being in control of your substance. Yeah. Some of my colleagues, actually, in the recovery world challenge say to me that i don't truly understand recovery when i challenge them and i say there's no such thing as a heroin uh, someone addicted to heroin who just uses on the weekend and that's okay mm. 
You know, yeah, I, no, I, it's... I, I personally think that there's no such thing as, a, as someone who can control substance use. What do you say to that? At all. At all. At all. Um, no, I th- and this is, this is what I think is tricky is because there are people that control substance use. Right. There are people that, um, there's people that can go to the pub and have two beers and go home. There's people that will just use party drugs on weekends and not touch it during the week or only at three or four, four festivals a year. Right. And this is what's really difficult is it's, and this is what I think what, um, what, what we what what is strived for is it's that thing of well other people can do it so why can't I and right, right. but this is that this is that thing where you know understanding that you have a body that reacts differently to the substances right. you have a body that once something is put into it it craves more and more and more and it's those yeah. cravings that that you know that that phenomenon of cravings yeah. that um, that sets you apart and so. so yeah, knowing that you are one of those people, mm. that's where you start to say, all right, well, I clearly I can't use, so I need to do things to, to stop me. Right. So what you're saying is, in fact, that there is a cohort of people who can control their use of party drugs or whatever drug it is, yep. but there's the cohort that we see are those that cannot control it. Yeah, right. that's exactly it. Like so there are so, people who can go for months, like they, yeah. they can use for a little yeah. while, but yeah. they turn it off. It's like a yes. light switch. They'll just flick yes. it on and off and they won't use for yes. another year. Yes. But there's a difference and then, there. And then the other thing is this. It's, all, it's, it's important to understand that the people who cannot control their drug use always started out thinking that they could and thinking that they were part of a bigger cohort perhaps that can control their drug use. Yeah. And again, this goes to self-awareness, self-understanding. Uh, mm. People who end up, who, who start off thinking they can control their drug use, some of them, in fact, I think the majority of them, but you know, we can split hairs on that later. But <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think all of them. <laughs> but they, they don't have enough self-understanding, self-awareness to suddenly realize they've got a problem until they really do have the problem. Isn't, isn't that the case? Because there's a lack of self-understanding. There's a delusion of control mm. until, you, until you hit rock bottom when you are utterly confronted with the enormity of what has just gone on. Yeah, and then if that was enough, that, that first time of hitting rock bottom would be enough. Yeah. But then you hit rock bottom again, and then you hit yeah. rock bottom again. I thought I, I hit think... rock bottom, and then the trap door opened. That's what you've mm. said before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and if uh, oh, but this time I'll do it differently. This time I'll only yeah. drink on weekends. This time I'll yeah. drink light beer. This time, you know, yeah. whatever that is. But for the addict, it becomes every day, and this is the thing that. And addict, my belief is that addicts are a small percentage. There's plenty. There's people that can use, and it's this this want to hold on to uh, hold on to the fact that you are not part of that small percentage, and that you, one day you'll you'll control it. But once you understand, once you make those mistakes, and this is, you know, you were talking before about, um, you know, just planting seeds, planting ideas, you know, and, and just, and, and, you know, and working with people is, it's allowing them to, to make those mistakes and learn about themselves along the way. Yeah. Because, yeah, as I say, I can tell you, I can, you can sort of, a lot of the time you can pick who's a heavy user and who's, who falls into the addict category. 
How do you but, how do you do that? Because for me, when someone um, says to me, I think I can control my use disorder, I'm thinking in my head, I'll see you in a couple of months then, shall I, in my clinic? Yeah, look, and a lot of the time that, that might be the case. But just by understanding a bit of their pattern, understanding a bit about how they've used in the past, the frequency, uh, and whether they have been able to start and stop. And um, for the addict, that's not where things lie. The addict is constantly thinking about things. The addict is, you know... Those people that may only use every few weekends, that's all they're using is every few weekends. And an addict might try and use every few weekends, but their thoughts are consumed by using yes. in, betwe yes. in between that time. Yes. And I, th the I think, yeah, what we're also alluding to is the escalation and use, which is actually one of the diagnostic criteria in DSM-5 yeah. for substance use disorder. So this is another point that I want to make because you've said this before. Relapse doesn't start when you use again. You, it starts when you give yourself permission to use mm. again. And that could be a week, two weeks, a month before. It starts in here. And again, people need to understand or at least have the self-awareness that that is, that is actually the first uh, harbinger of relapse. Yeah. Once those thoughts permission. start to come back in. Yeah. Once yeah. those thoughts start to come back in of using, you need to talk to someone about it. You need yeah. to start to address you need to yeah. start to address it. You need to start to look at why those thoughts are coming back. What's happening in life that those thoughts are coming back in that you're thinking that using might be a good idea. It doesn't yeah. mean you're gonna act on it yet. Yeah. But you just start to you just start to work you just start to work on it. Yeah. Um and, and yeah, and understanding why that's happening and yeah, maybe you've stopped going to meetings. Maybe you've stopped playing sport in the mornings. Maybe you're not getting up to exercise. Maybe your diet's gone a little bit out. You know, yeah. all these things slowly just start to chew away and slowly start to open up the door for you to use again. So, And you're allowing that to happen. The way that we can overcome this is by engaging in self-retrospection. Sorry, self-introspection and understanding of oneself. Yeah, Absolutely, got to be got to be reflecting. You can't do that on your own. To borrow another phrase from you, Craig, there's no such thing as a lone ranger in recovery. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You've got to be reflecting on what's working for you and what's not. Yeah. And but why isn't it working? Is it not working because yeah. you're not giving it a hundred percent, or is it not working because you're believing you've got this old belief that you're unwilling to challenge that something yeah. just won't work for you? Yeah. I've also heard you speak elsewhere to describe how self-understanding is the gateway to personal responsibility. What do you mean by that? Well, once you understand why you've made the choices you make or why you do make the choices you make, that's when you can start to take ownership for what's happened. Mm -hmm. And once you start to take ownership, that's where you start to put the right solutions into place. Yes. So personal responsibility, as painful and as heavy as it might be on one's soul, is really the lever of change into recovery, isn't it? Yeah, I think we. Um, I think it's easy, and what will happen with a lot of people is blame circumstance, blame people, blame past events, yeah. blame all these other things. But the reality is that as we go along, each step of the way, we're met with two choices. And if things get get tough... You've got a choice. You can use or you can 
go down the track, you can ask for the support. You can yeah. reach out for help. Yeah. And each one of these steps, you've got those choice. The further into recovery you go, the more, and the stronger that choice is, the more options you have for help. Yeah. Um, the better better routine and plan you have set up for yourself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and that, that, that can be confronting for people. But you make the choice to take the easy way or the hard way. So and self-understanding allows you to switch off the blame thrower, you know. Yeah. It's not everyone's fault. It's actually your fault. You've got to take well, ownership of this. It's your taking ownership for... Yeah, it's, it's taking ownership for where your life sits right now. Yeah, yeah. Good and because there are pathways out. They're not always easy, but yeah. there are pathways out. Yeah, yeah. Well, Craig, as usual, we've run out of time far too quickly. So um, mm. give me one, one thought to take away Okay. on the concept um, of self-understanding. Don't be afraid to challenge beliefs and challenge these ideas that you have of yourself of what works and what doesn't. Open yourself up to new ideas. Open yourself up to new ideas. Craig Payne, thank you so much for your time and help today. I look forward to meeting with you again soon. Cool. Cheers, Fergal. See you soon. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you next time.